Hello everybody, we have a fantastic show for you today about forestry, and there's all sorts of individual differences in listeners. Some of you listen in for the first time, some of you might, uh, sometimes I blab on about all the things that I got going on to get you guys up to speed. Sometimes I save that for the end of the show, sometimes I put it in the beginning, sometimes I, I skip the intros and outros all together just to give you guys a break. If you're the type that that uh, doesn't want to hear all the updates and the live shows that I have coming up and that sort of thing, there is a fantastic way for you guys to consume this podcast. I've been putting all of these new ones on YouTube. YouTube, no intros, no outros, no ads, and you get to see me and the guest. It's been such a fun experiment, and now... I'm building this thing. How the heck do I get people to watch it? I never had a YouTube channel until now. Now I'm starting from scratch. I'm in quarantine, learning all sorts of new skills. And I next figured out how to do this, figuring out how to improve the sound quality, which, by the way, be a little patient. We have a bunch of episodes in the bank. But I've, I've been making some really big strides in improving the audio quality. We're going to be improving the video quality as well, figuring out, getting uh, um, used to editing uh, for YouTube now. And in this uh, new world, uh, I really appreciate your support through this trans uh, transitional time and trying to navigate things and learn all these new skills amongst a global crisis. And uh, and so one of the things that I haven't figured out how to do yet, that I haven't started doing yet, is figuring out doing all the marketing of all these new YouTube videos that I've been making. And so not only is it a way to, to see us and have it on in the background when you're doing things around the house pop up, see what the guest looks like, um, see the expressions on our face. And not only that, but we've been creating some highlights as well. So you can even check out uh, one or two highlights of a potential guest and and then explore more and check out the full episode from there. That's a new thing that we're offering as well. And so tons of advantages to going to my YouTube channel and if you go to shane moss m-a-u-s-s dot com you will find all of the information for that and all of the live shows i have coming up speaking of which i have uh really i'm very excited through great courses plus i'm taking a brand new class to get ready for a live show I don't know a ton about infectious diseases and virology and epidemiology and all that stuff. So I'm getting up to speed with a course at The Great Courses Plus. And if you don't know, I've been, may have heard, I've been partners with thegreatcoursesplus.com slash here we are. If you want to check it out, try the entire library with a free trial and very inexpensive after that. And so it's it's my favorite way to learn. And so I have a show that I'm putting together on May 31st. I'm getting Nina Pfefferman back, who's been one of my favorite guests of all time and certainly uh, spoke about this pandemic and how viruses work in the coronavirus clearer than anyone that I've ever heard. 
on this show. I also got her on Pete Holmes' You Made It Weird podcast because I just thought what she had to say was so important, more people needed to hear it. Well, I started doing these live kind of like video conferences, but live recordings of head talks. I'm going to start doing live recordings of the Here We Are podcast um, where you get to interact. You get to ask academics questions yourself. You get to offer comments live in real time and interact with other Here We Are fans and science enthusiasts and, and comedy fans out there. It's a really cool opportunity. The first two head talks were great, so now we're expanding into doing it with Here We Are. And so check that out. Go to shanemossmauss.com. Hopefully we'll have the information up for May 31st already. Right now it's uh, the Psychonautics Q&A. I'm doing a birthday show. My birthday is May 25th. I And I turned 40 years old. So I'm actually doing a live Here We Are streaming on May 24th, Sunday, the afternoon, we're, we're trying to, I'm shifting all these to do them in su- on Sunday afternoons, doing a free uh, special turn in f- 40 birthday edition of the Here We Are podcast. I would love if you went on, signed up, and checked it out. It's very exciting um, for me, and uh, I have so much to talk about. I'm going to have three of my best uh, scientist friends on the show. We're going to talk about aging and and different stages of life and finding purpose and reassessing careers and and uh, that sort of thing. Uh, who even knows how where the conversation will go? But that one's free. If you want a free taste of what a live streaming will look like of the Here We Are podcast, you can go on that one. All the other ones are going to cost you money, or you can go on my Patreon and support me there, and Patreon subscribers get it for free. Hoping to add more stuff to Patreon as well. But if you go to the great courses, you can also check out the introduction to infectious diseases, which I'll be starting. I'm currently recording this on May 6th. I'm going to have to be watching one a day to get through the entire class just in time for my show. That's the kind of effort that I try to put into this program, and I hope you guys appreciate it. If you do, one of the ways of showing appreciation, supporting me, supporting yourself, and supporting adult uh, lifelong learning, you can go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash here we are today. Sick of hearing about virology? Well, guess what? There's all sorts of self-help stuff on there. There's all sorts of exercise things. There's cooking courses. There's uh, there's travel courses if you want to dream about. Put together that bucket list for when you get out of quarantine. There's classes on teaching survival skills. They have all these great timely things. I I just was browsing through and it's George Orwell's uh, uh, birthday today when I'm, I'm browsing through it and they have a whole um, uh, course about Orwell on there. So there's all these timely courses that are popping up all the time. Not like college where you got to take a bunch of classes that you don't want to take just so you can cut to the stuff that interests you. You can get specifically the stuff you're interested. Go to the greatcoursesplus.com slash here we are today.
One other thing, everybody, there's been a whole bunch of issues with all sorts of technical difficulties trying to figure out remote podcasting. We were able to solve almost all of them. There's been a couple issues, like sometimes we only have the audio, can't post things on YouTube. We thought we almost lost episodes before and got them back. This one, unfortunately, somehow we clipped out the first few minutes I don't know how. It's like the second time that's almost happened. Um, well, this did happen this time. But uh, thank you for bearing with us as we're still sorting out and improving quality and both audio and visual components and doing backups in all of these other new things that I'm having to learn. But so we're going to jump kind of right into uh, the conversations already gotten started where we pick up. I'm talking with Hip Hop Forrester Thomas Easley. Thomas Easley is the uh, Assistant Dean of Community and Inclusion at Yale University's School of Forestry and Environmental Studies, and we had a real great talk about, uh, about the environment, about science, about inclusion, and uh, spirituality. He used to be uh, uh, a pastor as well. And so, really interesting guy, great guest, and enjoy the episode. Are we? Yes. Where are we? Here. Why are we here? Not entirely clear. We are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all. It's immensely bizarre. Here we are. I engage with people, you know, care about music. And a lot of times those individuals are not the same ones who are in the forestry, you know, realm. So in the forestry realm is people who care some ways like about natural resources and trees and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, but to me, they both rose from the ground, one technically from the underground, and they both have changed the landscapes of sound. And hip hop did that. And I would say forestry did too, it's changed the landscapes. And so I just kind of made a, I made a song a couple of years ago and just developed like this philosophy that I call hip hop forestry, which is really more so a philosophy that is uh, um, intersectional and it brings in like it's, it's more uh, multicultural. And what we do is we acknowledge like the histories and knowledges of like indigenous, uh, you know, communities, African and African-American communities, Latinx communities, you know, and as well as other, you know, like communities, Italian, uh, could be Peruvian, you know, poor. And then we uh, take their knowledge and let that inform us on better ways of how to respect the land and how to care for the land, not how to manage it, because you, how, how you're going to manage something that you don't own. And then the philosophy is that you can't own anything that you didn't create. So then we really need to uh, really rethink how we uh, are engaging with the outdoors and how we are dealing with our resources. And instead of treating it as a commodity, treat it more so as a relative, as we would in the indigenous community, or more so as a teacher that teaches us how to be and how to exist. And I think that because we have not done that for so many years, that's partly where we are right now in the world um, uh, at, at this moment, whether we're talking about coronavirus or climate change or anything like that. Yeah. So, so what, what's your, um, what's your kind of take? Because every, everyone's background gives them a different point of view on, on what's happening with Corona and this, this pandemic. What's your take? Yeah. Uh, well, as a person who's OCD 
and who already was like overly clean in a way. Don't let the beard fool y'all. You know, I, I keep this thing clean too. <laughs> um, and floss and all that stuff. You know, I was already kind of like a, not a germaphobe, but someone who really cared about cleanliness and, uh, you know, and just uh, how I interact with people. The way that I see it, I kind of take, uh, in some ways, um, Lupe Fiasco's approach that the coronavirus on a symbolic level is, in my opinion, is us as human beings. Mm-hmm. It's reminding us of, you know, this is what happens when either we get out of control, when things get out of hand, when we don't pay attention to each other enough. And we're kind of just doing, you know, it's like continuing to explore and do different things uh, that can either take us to, hey, I'm, on, I'm in space right now, but take yeah. us somewhere when we probably need to bring it back and simplify from what I at least understand and say some of the original traces are from a particular market, maybe like in China. Uh, animals in particular that have been digested that can contribute to it is uh, uh, it's the pangolin. And that's an animal you can find in Asia, you can find it in Africa. And so I'm just looking at, oh, man, you know, looking at maybe some of what we do culturally, you know, that, you know, like that we didn't really see this coming, you know, as far as maybe what we eat, you know, and how we, uh, you know, in our hygiene and different things like that. Now we have a virus among us. We have this pandemic and it is forcing us to have to rethink Really, if you really think about everything, you know, how we're doing, you know, the social distance and how we're in contact with each other. Uh, But I do think that um, I don't think that we're, quote unquote, going overboard. But I do think that um, I do think that we should take that. We really need to take this seriously. Uh, I just came in from a like from a three mile walk, you know, but I didn't touch anyone. I didn't, you know, like I mean, but I greeted people, though. Hey, how you doing? I had, I did a podcast episode out there talking in the forest, you know, so, you know, I'm really, I'm still going to go outside and do things outdoors, but I'm not going to go to a party. I'm not going to, obviously I'm working remotely, you know, as well. So I just think that this is telling us about us, number one. And then it's also telling us about, you know, like a virus, you know, that can attack us and that can live within us. And I just hope that it reminds us to come back to treating each other better and seeing each other in these positive lights, because we still need each other. Regardless of social distancing, I can't touch you, I can't work in the same space, but we still have to commit. Yeah, yeah. One of, one of my guests uh, prefers the term physical distancing, mm. because we can mm. still be social. That's know? right, yeah. Um, so so someone, someone who is, uh, um, you know, it, it, it obviously cares deeply about forestry and environmental studies. Mm-hmm. Do you see some of this as an educational opportunity um, for people as this is, this is the first time in anyone's lifetime where humans have pretty much needed to stop and all, all of a sudden the human's environmental impact is, is um, lessened a, a great deal. Mm-hmm. Um, is, mm-hmm. is this a, is this a chance to um, uh, to see what is possible for the future in terms of our impact? Yes, it will. I see it as a teaching. Well, yes. So Shane, yes, learning opportunity. I see it as a teaching moment. You know, it just could be the same thing. Uh, I have been inviting some of my students to pay attention to uh, how many birds do you hear outside now, and then I've been telling them the how long you hear them, and people are starting to notice. Man, I hear them all day. I'm like, yeah. That, you know, which is why I said that the coronavirus is us in a way, because when we're, we're the ones roaming the planet doing all of the things that we want to do and that we think that we should do, depending on what your belief system, belief system is, it could be total dominion. You know, we should rule over this. And I think that this is reminding us that, no, we are a part of this. We 
are connected to it. And so we should be respecting it and utilizing it in a way that is sustainable, that is renewing, you know, or that is renewable, but in a way that also tames or tapers how much we do. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what I appreciate that the Corona, like, okay, I'll give you an example. As a forester and then I interact with people in the environmental on the environmental side. Sometimes we, a lot of times we see it like we're on different sides of it, but I really think that we're on the same side. Mm. And sometimes environmentalists in particular can challenge practices of forestry or, you know, or foresters, you know, because of the, you know, because of the production harvest, you know, because of the traditional ways that we, uh, you know, grow, uh, you know, change the uses of land and then grow trees in a way so that we can harvest and use it to make wood products, you know, and to build houses and to meet the demand of the human population. Right. Okay. And so I have a different perspective that I just haven't heard a lot from both sides. What I hear on the environmental side is, okay, you just need to stop cutting, but we understand that you're not going to. And then what I hear on the forestry side is well, we can stop cutting, you know, but we will reforest and we will, you know, and we will replenish, you know, like what is in the ground. Well, for me, I kind of bring it right here to the middle. You can't put back in the ground what you take out of the ground. It's impossible. You, you, you can't take as much as what you've removed and put it back in. Even if you plant the same species back, it still has to grow. It still has to stabilize the soil. The roots still have to mature in order for the water, for the tree to get the water for it, for it to grow, to be able to absorb the sunlight and continue to branch out. But if you think that, oh yeah, well, we're going to continue to cut and we're going to figure out how we can do this to meet the same demand. I'm like, that's the problem right there. You can't meet the same demand. This is not supposed to be business as usual. This is a chance for you to look at what you can cut back on. And then there are some people who I think that their mind is in the wrong place that they're trying to figure out how do we continue to do the same thing that that we've been doing. And those are the busy bodies that are going to hurt us. You need to stop that because that's not going to help us. It's just like how you and I are talking like this um, in, in the camera. You know, it's great to meet you and glad to talk to you this way. Well, obviously, would this be an even more quality maybe experience if we were in one another's faces, shaking hands, connecting with each other? Probably so, even though this is still good, you know, physical distancing, you know, but this still impacts what we do. And so I can appreciate yeah. you doing this switching up what you're doing and then you're going okay and i still have to build up the youtube and i still have to do that that to me that's what we all should be doing making these adjustments making these changes and even though it's going to slow things down the truth is it's supposed to because we've been moving so fast that's how this thing has spread so fast so we need to do our part and bring it down slow it down take a step back and until we do that it's going to continue to do what it's doing so you're right it is a learning opportunity learn to slow the heck down it's the teaching opportunity I hope this is teaching y'all to sit your tail down and stop being so busy all the time and being so innovative all the time and really just bringing it back to more, you know, simplistic ways of us engaging with each other and with the planet. Yeah, I, I have, uh, you know, if, if we were doing this in person right now, I would be, I would be driving around everywhere and and driving to where you are and everything else. And so, you know, that's uh, doing it this way is, is that, that little bit of my carbon footprint is already just like that, that small difference uh, Mm -hmm. with enough. And, and that's a lot of, I mean, a lot of people should have been working remotely 10 years ago, but, but just because the way that their, their job was they you know, people have this idea that you need to be supervising and looking over everyone's shoulders and cubicles or whatever, or they won't do anything. And so this, this might make for a really uh, interesting impact for a lot of people. 
please walk Sparky for me? No way. <laughs> I'll throw in a caramel frappe. Ooh, make it a large. Deal. Get a sweet deal. $2 any size McCafe beverage on the McDonald's app. Between you and me, Sparky, I would have walked you for free. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Offer valid through 4322 at participating McDonald's. Valid one time per day. McDonald's app download and registration required. You know, I, I, I think I've seen a lot of people kind of getting over some of the... I, I was born in 1980, and so, you know, I kind of remember my early childhood. It seemed like consumption started ramp, ramping up, and then into the 90s, you know, there, there was like in the 80s, I think it was like lifestyles of the rich and famous, and then in the 90s, there was like MTV Cribs and stuff, and like this yeah. celebration of having every like 30 cars in these ridiculous mm-hmm. empty <laughs> mansions and stuff and mm-hmm. exotic animals and uh mm-hmm. and that that had already started going away I, I i feel like people were already kind of sick of that and it was it was kind of uh, amongst a lot of people kind of considered fairly tacky you mm-hmm. know yes. and there was a little bit of blowback but now it's like no one, no one wants to see anyone's mansion right now. No one wants to right. see that shit. And, yes. and it's, you know, people, people are like borderline revolting, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's like, if I were, if I were a wealthy person right now, I would be, I would be nervous. I, I, yes. I would, I would not be showing that off. Um, right. That's for sure. I agree. Um, Mm-hmm. So, so I was born in 78 so I definitely understand you know like what you're saying I mean I you know I remember Andy Griffith show Perry Mason black yeah. and white shows I remember TV actually cutting off at night yeah you know I remember telephones actually dialing a number yeah you know doing the rotary I remember turning on the television I remember when we didn't have computers. I can actually say that, you know. Yeah, me too. Uh, even though I don't, I don't think I look that like that. But um, you know, but but then I saw how I saw how middle class neighborhoods started being developed. You know, I started seeing how certain communities uh, were trying to come together. One person would move in, other people would start to move out. You know, I started seeing how we walked mostly everywhere, and then we started driving everywhere. Mm-hmm. I remember growing up in Birmingham. I'm from, you know, bigger city in Alabama. Um, you know, and I remember seeing like foxes. I didn't even realize that that's what I was looking at, you know, in the city. Uh, seeing, of course, dogs, cats, you know, but hearing uh, all kinds of things and then going out. I'm, um, I'm also an Eagle Scout, you know, going camping and, you know, hearing, you know, uh, seeing deer, you know, um, hearing a bobcat, you know, uh, you know, just I, I remember that. And now progress all the way up until, by the time we get to the 90s, you know, like, you're right. I mean, like, it was, it was Michael Jackson. It was the Thriller album. Everybody wanted to do that. Everyone wanted to dress like him. You know, I remember Geraldo. I remember Oprah. I remember yeah. Like, I remember how, you know, it, certain people started getting a show. And now, you know, now, you know, what works for one or two people, not everyone is doing it. Just like the whole uh, DJ D-Nice and him DJing uh, on Instagram. Now you have multiple DJs doing it. And, and that's the thing that I just seem to notice and I, I, that, you know, like when one thing is successful, then you have this, like the floodgates come open and then everybody else is kind of either doing it. Even though what's so funny is a lot of times people are already doing it. It's just that this this person or this group got recognized and not everyone has to come out the woodwork. 
Yeah. And then everyone wants to show off what they're doing and what they have. And I think, and I agree with you that what, you know, like that what Corona is doing to me is making us slow down. Mm-hmm. It's making us take inventory. It's making us think what is actually important. As I told my coworkers this week, I was like, you have a spouse at home and now you're at home. If you have an 11 o'clock Zoom call, but you and your spouse are having an argument, what are you going to do? You're going to get on the Zoom call and you're going to have this discussion. I say it would behoove you, hopefully, to finish that discussion. But why? Because what we do in our relationships actually does help with what we do at work. You know, so I just think it is bringing out what's actually most important right now. Hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's interesting. I, uh, it's... Yeah, I, I wonder how much people will change. It be, because part of this, too, is is like a, a lot of people, I think including myself, mm-hmm. are um, are just kind of becoming caricatures of, of, of themselves. So if you're, if, if you're the optimist, like the optimists are seeing the most silver linings in this, the pessimists are seeing the most doomsday scenarios, the conspiracy theorists are in, are in full effect. The environmentalist is like, now's our time to show people about global warming. The, yeah. the, uh, the, the c- cynical folks, which I can be sometimes, are the, are the most cynical. Like, everyone's just a little more of, of kind of their, of their inner self, no matter like what party or what side, you know. It's, everyone's personalities are just really coming out right now. And, yeah. and so I, I, I think within that, Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, uh, you know, it, it brings ourselves to the surface and we can better understand who we are because mm-hmm. as we c- become caricatures of ourselves, we kind of yep. clear, uh, more clearly see some of the things that we, that we like about ourselves and what we could improve on <laughs> of, about True. ourselves. I and I, I will say as, as my, as my characterized skeptical self comes out, I, I, <laughs> I'm hopeful for change and, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little worried people might just go back to business as, as usual, like mm-hmm. you have, uh, uh, kind of alluded to trying to avoid how, how could let's, let's assume some of these positive changes do, <laughs> do take off. Um, people be, start thinking about their environment a, a little bit more. People start caring about na- that would be it would be so nice if humans started caring about nature um, a, a, a bit more, and mm-hmm. you know, also as a stand-up comedian who's had a hard time, you know, every everyone everyone that's a live entertainer has been having a harder and harder time over the last couple decades getting people to leave their house, getting yeah. people out of the couch, and. Yeah. And and now all of a sudden everyone's like, I miss live entertainment. I don't want to just sit on my couch all day. It's like, well, uh, where have you been for the last 16 years of my career, Mr. I need live entertainment so bad. But but it, it might, you know, it might. People might have a new appreciation of lots of things like this. A, a new appreciation of each other. A new appreciation of say live entertainment a new appreciation of nature mm-hmm. but do you do you think it will stick oh boy uh yes and no you know yes and no uh, you know we got to keep this in mind too i've learned this as a diversity professional because i do a lot of consulting too people change so that they don't have to change 
you know, so a lot of times what people do, uh, you know, is that they'll make these immediate shifts so that they can go back to being who they are, so they can go back to doing what they're doing. So, you know, like my hope is just that I, I know that there's going to be a majority of people who are going to make, um, I guess, a permanent shift. You know, there are going to be some people like I can tell you right now, like I prefer like I'm more of a minimalist anyway. You know, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't like to have a lot of stuff. Me uh, I'm not that sentimental type. You know what I'm saying? There are those who are. I don't like living in junk and mess. So I don't like keeping things, mm-hmm. you know, and this to me has helped me to go, okay, I'm going to continue to live like that. I don't want to keep things. I don't want to, you know, because I do, as Brad Pitt said in my favorite number one movie, Fight Club, things you owned end up owning you. Yeah. And so a number of people don't even realize that they are being held by, uh, uh, by materialism. And I actually think going to what statement that you made about, I wish you really wish people would appreciate nature. You know, capitalism makes that very hard because mm-hmm. capitalism, um, you know, uh, moves us into these urban spaces. You know, it's okay. You know, work hard, hustle hard and, and just go, 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 go. Basically we're like mice in the machine and we're keeping this machine going. And so, uh, you know, so I definitely want to invite people to get outside more and allow this time to kind of break those patterns of just getting up and going to work. Mm. And like, this is probably a time for you to meditate and stay in the present. Mm. Uh, this is a time for you to watch what you're eating, right? You know, when you're just going, 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 that means you're eating on the fly. You just, you know, like, it's like I'm, I'm a vegetarian. I don't say everyone should be vegetarian. But I can definitely say since I've made the adjustment now 20 years ago, Okay, and looking at my health now, I can see what it's done. Like, oh wow, like you know, this is one of the reasons why I don't get sick a lot mm-hmm. of times. This is why I lost a lot of weight. So that's what I'm saying. Those people who do that and who realize what it did, they're going to make that permanent change because they're going to see it and go, oh yeah, this this works. But then there are others who are just kind of waiting to get back to normal, mm-hmm. who are waiting. And those are the people who kind of those, those those folks are. I think are the, probably those who are struggling the most. Uh, because they because they really need things to get back. They uh, like you know they don't realize that we have other ways of developing community. We have other ways of basically touching each other. And uh, for those people who can't adapt, um, you know they're resisting a lot. And so, in my opinion, those are probably be the people who will go back to doing what they're doing because a lot of times that's what they're waiting on. Man, I'm just waiting. Like, look, I drove to North Carolina. I got out of Connecticut before they locked it down. I'm not sitting here going, ooh, I can't wait to hurry up and get back to Connecticut. I'm like, they're going to lock North Carolina down soon. You see, it's like I'm just ready to adapt and try to play my part. I'm not like, man, when are we going to get back? Because we've been getting we, – and I really wish people would understand this. Just like, you know, as a, you know, as a, as a, you know, as a comedian, you know, as a stand-up comedian, as a superstar, your success doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. The same way this didn't happen overnight. This is years of us, there's an index. I apologize, I can't recall the name of it right now. But people can probably Google it. It's a global index that was broken in 1988. That's when climate change really should have kicked us in the butt then. And it's an index that where it's uh, it reads how like the inventory of the planet and the resources and the, the index was broken, which means we can't go back. Meaning we have exceeded. We have pushed past the step of where we can just go back and have um, have reserves. We've crossed that. You see, that, well, that's 32 years ago now, you know? So climate change, everything that we're doing now, it didn't just happen. It's just that now we're paying attention. You know, now we're hearing about it. Now we're moving. It is, there have been people who've been doing this for the last few decades, but I'm talking about as a global population. Now we're starting to do this. 
And, uh, and that is what makes me nervous. Mm-hmm. You know, just as it took us this long to get to this point, to have a permanent change, it's, it will probably take something even more drastic. And that's why I really hope people wake up. I mean, we've lost a couple of thousand people now with this virus. You know, it is serious. It is taking us out. And just as it is serious, not that we should not take it serious, we can also really manage for it and almost like really deal with this quickly. You know, applying heat in certain ways, staying clean, staying inside, you know, just these things that make it, uh, you know, like these things that we get bored doing are not the things that we have to do. Yeah. Yeah, and it's going to be a big, uh, it's it's going to change, it's going to change the discussion about healthcare uh, completely as well, which uh, I'm hoping will will be something positive coming out of this um, Mm -hmm. for, uh, I mean, I feel so bad for all the doctors and nurses that are, Mm -hmm. that that are the most, uh, you know, susceptible um, right now and the the people that we need the most at -hmm. at the same time. But I I was kind of thinking as you're talking about, you know, difference between nature and these kind of urban environments. So I'm, I'm in, uh, I'm outside of La Crosse, Wisconsin. I had kind of like a smallish town upbringing and I just, Mm -hmm. my whole life, I just couldn't wait to get to a big city. It's all I ever wanted was to get to a big city. New York, Mm -hmm. New York, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Anywhere. (laughs) Big Apple. Times Square. Yeah, 24-7. Don't shut down. And, and, you know, and and so I I went, I, I ended up moving to Boston originally and have been to big cities and everything since that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, uh, you know, as I'm, as I'm now, I turned 40 next month, you know, the older I get, the more appreciation I have for things like nature, for things like smaller towns, big mm-hmm. cities start to annoy me so much. Oh. And there is real opportunity here uh, um, with, so, so already you take something like stand-up comedy where it was like, okay, you get good at a market and then you go to New York or LA and you got to be in one of these two big cities because this is where you need to be for your occupation. Mm-hmm. Basically don't have a choice. Right. Then the internet comes along and mm-hmm. then uh, it's all of a sudden it's like, well, anyone can make like goofy YouTube videos or whatever from anywhere. And, and uh, you know, some, some kid in Ohio um, mm-hmm. making funny guitar videos or whatever can take off and be bigger than all, all the all the comics um, fighting it out in LA. And yeah. in, in that same way, that's as, as we kind of talked about people being able to work remotely, we're now mm-hmm. living in a world where, um, you know, I, I was just talking with some animators recently that mm-hmm. that um, live in a cabin out in the middle of nowhere, and they're they're mm-hmm. basically off the grid but they have an internet connection and they can do all of this, the, the same job that you normally needed to be in a big city for. Yeah. You can do all of this in a cabin and get all of your nature and appreciate. And, and people are going to have the opportunity to do that now, now more than ever. Um, right. And, right. and so, so I, I wonder if, I wonder if people will start leaving some of the big city lifestyle behind mm-hmm. a- after all of this. And, and then, you know, people are going to have a lot of PTSD from this too. And, and realize like, Oh, big cities are where, <laughs> where, where viruses <laughs> spread the quickest. 
Get away. Get, stop it. You're looking at me too hard. I think that she thinks I'm cute and I don't like it. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so I don't, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's, that's going to give people more of an opportunity to start appreciating um, nature. I, I mean, I, I then worry if everyone wants to buy up all, all of, all of the land everywhere. Cause then everyone wants their own cabin. So that, you know, that's a, that's another concern, but but I feel mm-hmm. at least if people are living in nature, mm-hmm. they 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 can't, you know, if you, if you're if you're living in like downtown L.A. or in Manhattan or something like that, mm-hmm. you don't need to think about nature on a daily basis. If you're if you're living out in in the envi- in the environment, out in a cabin, you're seeing mm-hmm. nature every day. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Don't shake. But see, here's an interesting thing about about the perspective that you shared. And I agree because yeah. I grew up in Birmingham, so I grew up, you know, in the urban. It's it was biggest city in Alabama, but I was like, I got to get out of here. If people would start asking, where does my water come from? If yeah. people would start asking, where do my trees come from, or where do these leaves come from? And then the thing that I recognize about big cities, the truth is, those big cities actually only take up a small chunk of land yeah yeah That's uh, nice. like new york right new york city is the smallest part of new york yeah. but it's the most populated and the most seems interesting right everybody's there but like no once i get outside of there and drive four hours and go to ithaca right or take a train and get to the adirondacks i'm like wait a minute oh this is what the planet actually looks like you know like to me i, I see new york city kind of like the hood you know like in a way you know like yeah. the, if you don't at least get outside and see something else we think that that's where it is and you know and hey as a hip-hop artist you know and as an entrepreneur it's the same thing you can only make it in hip-hop if you go to new york you can only right. make it in hip-hop if you go to la now of course you can only make it in hip-hop if you go to atlanta you can make it if you go to houston maybe you know so what i do appreciate is that over time, that model of NYC or LA, and maybe even the Bay Area or Atlanta, you know, or Chicago or Detroit or Houston, you know, like what I like is that it, it, it started to expand into these big places, but people still will find their way, mm-hmm. okay, to, to a New York. They will still find their way to a DC. I'm still going to find my way to an LA. And that's one of the things that I appreciate now is that, well, no, I don't have to be. But see, here's the part, okay, this is where, okay, look, I got, I got a reputation. I push culture or I challenge culture. Right? <laughs> so I'm not always trying to throw shade at people, but I push culture. Sure. So let's talk about New York for a moment. I made a kind of a little joke in passing, but I want people to realize something. What happens if you stay awake for five straight days? What happens to your mind and what happens to your body? You I've done it. Break okay, you've done it. I, I, yeah, I ended up in a psych ward. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Things start happening to your mind. You know, mentally things start going off. You know, me, um, I've done something like that. And it's like I start creating another reality because I'm, mm. I'm, you know, it's like I'm seeing so many things, but I'm not resting. Then your body starts to break down. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, now your health is compromised. All right. Okay. Now let's just back that up. All right. Now let me uh, juxtapose. Okay. That's the human, right? Okay. Now let's put it next to New York city. Well, New York city is the city that never sleeps. Mm-hmm. New York city is the city that's something going on all the time. You could be in Times square at 2 AM and it still looks like 2 PM mm-hmm. because it's that lit up. Right. Where are the most cases right now in the country of coronavirus? Yeah. New in York. New York City. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So this is what I hope people realize. Like I said, that's not me throwing. I'm not trying to diss or throw shade at anyone who's there, who's from there, or who's been successful. 
because of that. I'm asking people to think, okay? You are not supposed to be up 24-7. You're not supposed to be. You're supposed to get sleep. You're supposed to stop moving and your body needs rest. Well, you know what? Cities do too. Cities, that, that cities need a time to rejuvenate, shut down so that we can come back. And to me, that's one of the reasons why this virus keeps spreading. If you are very successful, what's the next thing that you do? You travel everywhere. You and me both kind of understand carbon footprint. All right, so now I'm going to China. I'm going to the Philippines. I'm going to Africa. I'm going to Europe. Okay, well, who are the people that we had to be most concerned about in particular besides those who are vulnerable, like 60, 70-year-olds? People who've been traveling a lot, right? So that's why I say, think about how this capitalistic model has really caused us to become something that we were never really meant to be. You know, it's caused us to isolate from each other, culturally, emotionally, physically, mentally. And that's capitalism. That's before coronavirus, because that's what it does. Mine, mine, mine. I got to get mine. You know, now there may be some people who are hearing me and you're having cognitive dissonance or hearing us and like you don't like it. But then there's a part that's like, it makes sense. Whenever you hear an idea and it messes with you, but then you still want to hold on to it. That's cognitive dissonance. Two things happening at the same time. And you're trying to figure this out. And all I'm saying is this virus for me has helped me to just kind of really take 10 steps back and go, there's so many areas in my life I could have slowed down in. There's so many areas in my life that I could have really been a little bit more human in. And then at the same time, as you're mentioning, how we can use these resources. Man, I've had a lot of opportunity to do something differently and I just hadn't taken it. So Shane, that's what I see this is doing. That's why it is a learning thing. It is a learning opportunity. It is, teach, it is, a, it is a teachable moment. Uh, this is a time where science and art should come together. It should never have been separate. Art and science should never have been separated. There should never have been these kind of silos, but that's what our society has pushed us to. And that's where we are now. And I'm trying to rectify that and reverse that. And like I said, I just before talking to you, I was outside waving yeah. at people, hey, how you doing? Yeah, keeping my distance, but I don't have to be rude and act like I don't see you. Hello, yeah. how you doing? <laughs> yeah. I just hope that this brings us back together. And I know it's doing that for me. I'll put it to you like this. I'll be one of those people who will make these make some changes that I won't go back to. Yeah, well, that's wonderful. Why don't you tell me a little bit about you? You told me, um, you know, we we both shared a little bit of our upbringing. What about your um, kind of uh, professional or career or your adult life? How did how did you get where you are right now? You do you do a zillion different things. You're a scientist, pastor, <laughs> rapper, <laughs> uh, educator. Um, yes, it, it, what what was your what was your path? Uh, it wasn't really laid out, at least not to me. So growing up in Birmingham, I grew up with both my parents as well as on my mom's side, my grandparents. They exposed me to the outdoors. They grew in the urban environment. My grandparents were growing food in the backyard. So they're bringing what we would call country. They're bringing the skills and the things that they understand to the city because they weren't originally from Birmingham. They were from another part of Alabama. And like you said, we come into the big city, right? Part of that industrial revolution, you know. Um, so that's why I started developing my appreciation for the outdoors. Uh, I, uh, my parents put me in a private school when I was young, when I was four years old, I was reading like on the eighth grade level by the time I was, uh, eight or nine. Like that's how fat, that's, that's how progressive the school was. So education became very important to me early. My mom is a school, te- was a school teacher, excuse me, also an entrepreneur. My father was a computer engineer, also, uh, was in the medical field. So right there, I have two people, Right who technically are doing one career, but they have these other interests. So I'm watching them like, oh, okay, mom can start a business. She retired. Okay, got a dad. Okay, dad likes computers. 
He loves movies too. He loves to read. He loves crossword puzzles. Okay. So, but see, I wasn't noticing it like that. It was happening, you know, it was by, it was, it was, it was in my periphery. You know, it was in my memory, but I didn't get it. I go off to school and keep in mind when I got start school, I didn't know what I was going to major in. I didn't know that I was going to go into, uh, go into forestry, found forestry uh, in the summer program. Scholarship is what got me to go into it from the U.S. Forest Service, whom I also worked for for a couple of years after that. And and while doing that, my love of hip hop also was growing from a teenager on on up. So I was trying to rap. I was trying to get into music. You know, I come from a family also of ministers, musicians, civil rights activists. You know, so now I'm, so so while I'm having fun with my friends, I'm going to the King March every January. And learning about Martin Luther King, my uncle was the first field lieutenant appointed by Dr. King in the civil rights movement, period. James Orange, you can, you can look him up. My mom went to jail at 14, fighting for the right to vote. My dad goes to school at Williams College. He protests, gets him kicked out because he wants a black studies program with other people, you know. So, you know, these are things that, like, that's in my blood. You know, I just don't realize why this righteous rage is cooking up inside of me as I continue <laughs> yeah. to get older. Yeah. And then I just continued to, uh, what, what, what happened is that when I worked in Montana, I was the only black guy in the county. So I had a lot of alone time too. When I was at Iowa State, I was the only black person in the department. When I was at UGA, I was the only black person in the school. So I had a lot of opportunity to be alone. And I'm very fortunate that that alone time helped me to figure out who I was, who I am. I've never really been much of a joiner. You know, so I don't really care about groups and organizations. That's not my thing. Mm. Uh, so I really learned how to be my own person. You see what I'm saying? That's not dissing people who are part of organizations. Do your thing. You know, we all have different levels and different paths. But for me, that's not me. Yeah. You know, for me to be a joiner, I have to be not really liking and loving myself, just to be honest with you. Like, for me to do yeah. that. I didn't say that for other people, but for me. If I'm going to join you, that means that I have some insecurities about myself, and that's why I don't join things, because I don't yeah. have those kind of insecurities. But it got worked out from being alone. So I, I was very insecure when I was younger. You're, you're, you're preaching to the choir here. I was the shyest, most insecure kid you, you could ever see. And, and stand-up comedians, by and large, are, are definitely against the grain. Everyone else is going this way. We're going to go mm -hmm. the other way and make fun of the, the herd. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, I, um, I, I certainly um, relate on, on that level anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, and well, you know, well, I got to say this though, Shane, as a hip hop artist, it's the same thing. I think that we rebel against culture. Yeah. That's why our songs sometimes are so politically charged and mm -hmm. racially charged and socially charged because we, I mean, I can admit, I, there's so, like I said, I challenge culture. Like, I challenge every part of my culture. I identify as African American and I challenge things about that lived experience. I identify as a Christian, but I challenge my religion every damn day. As a pastor, I'm not supposed to curse, but shit, I don't care. Uh, you know, I challenge it. I'm like, why not curse? Oh, you mean don't curse in public, but in private, we say whatever we want to say. Oh, no, we shouldn't have sex before marriage. Yet, most people I know have sex with the spouse that they're with now, before they got married. And they probably were playing them, sleeping with somebody else before they... You see, like, yeah. I, I challenge this kind of stuff, you know? Right. Uh, you know, people who... Uh, you know, I, I have a theory. I'm going to make a song out of it one day, that we all... There's a more gentle way of saying this. There is. There's a more eloquent way of saying this. But we're all full of you-know-what on a certain level. Yeah. And when people start to look within, they can see that. It's like this. Okay. It's just like me saying, I don't like to join things, but I was a member of a church. Didn't I join something? Mm -hmm. mm. 
You know, I like to stand on my own too. Yeah, but when your family comes together, you like to run to your family. Oh yeah, I do like to be a part of something. You see, mm-hmm. so I think that um, I like to let people know that nothing is 100%, you know, uh, anything until you explore it, until you really delve deep into it. That's how I got so many interests and didn't realize that I was doing that. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't realize like being alone and me delving into the Bible and the Quran and studying Buddhism because well, I come from a family that would resist that. Now I'm on my own. I can do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. And then when I came back to my family, came back to the South, it's like that's when it's like Optimus Prime. Everything started transforming. And it's like, okay, now that I've been away in Montana, I understand the outdoors even more. Hey, mom, I'm going to go camping on my own. She's like, what are you doing? You've been around white people too long. <laughs> no, mom, I just like camping outdoors. You know, but see, yeah. in her mind, you know, she, she can't fathom that outdoors. But remember, the outdoors for her, that's where we got lynched. So you don't go outdoors. Mm-hmm. The outdoors for me is where I got saved. Mm-hmm. See, so it's, so it's different. So how do we bring other people into that experience? I came down south. I came back down south, and it's like, all right, I love God. But now that I've been around the country and parts of the world, I realized that uh, God means different things to different people in different places and means the same thing to different people in different places. So now I'm not so dogmatic around my beliefs. I'm more intentional about my love for other people, regardless of what you believe. And to me, that's what, you know, like that's what, whether people believe or not, that's fine. They don't have to. I think we're all people of faith, meaning we have a hope in something. Like I have a hope that connecting with you will allow me to probably connect with even more brilliant people, you know, who are comedians, right? Because I'm not that funny, but you are. You know, maybe you Sometimes. can look at something I'm doing. What, what you know, <laughs> what the death I'm sure more than me, obviously, you know, but you, you're going to, you can see something that I'm doing and go, Hey Thomas, maybe you should try this. I'm a lifelong learner. That's what I love about this. So then in my thirties, everything just came together. I'm working at NC state and I was like, Hey, I finished my doctorate in education, not in genetics, not in forestry and education. And I went, Hmm, I think I understand why diversity is so hard at this institution. Because faculty, staff, and students don't do what each other do. The other problem is they don't communicate with each other. I'm fortunate. I was a faculty, staff, and student at the same time, right? A campus pastor. A campus pastor, that's a hip-hop artist and an entrepreneur. Okay, I understand people don't like to hear cursing and hip-hop music, but you know what I was doing Friday and Saturday night before church? I was doing a show with about 100 to 200 people. I wasn't cursing, but they were. I wasn't smoking, but they were. I wasn't drinking, but they were. But guess what? We still had a good time. And I was able to get to church early and on time the next day. And my spirituality wasn't compromised. But if you smoke and drink, I don't think it's spiritually compromised, you know, if you do it in moderation. So that's just what life has taught me, you know, to make space. Take, take space for yourself so that you can learn who you are. But make space for other things so you can learn who you are and learn who other people are, too. So um, I, I was wondering if we could talk a little bit about dogma, actually, because I have I have this this thing that so I'm I was uh, I was raised in a, a religious household and it didn't didn't really take for me um, to la- later on in life. I, I gained more of an appreciation for um, where kind of uh, the, the importance of spiritual uh, spirituality and community and mm-hmm. and but. But I, I kind of, you know, early on in life, I had questions about like Noah's Ark or Adam and Eve or whatever. I didn't get very satisfying answers, and it, it made it made me very skeptical. And and uh, it's it's part of why I got so into evolution, and then eventually started a science podcast. Mm-hmm. But um um, but but getting into evolution gave yep. me a huge respect for 
for, um, ironically enough, had, gave me a big respect for spirituality and, and religion when I, when I saw how, how these beliefs and how these systems kind of evolved and, yeah. um, and, and yes. the positive that they have had in humanity. And, and there, but there's, uh, there's negative as well. And I, and I don't want to, um, I don't want to pick on any one um, group in particular, but, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a, a little worried. I've, you know, I see a couple people um, out there that are, um, you know, I, I called, I, I'd never done this. I'd always been curious about these billboards that you see everywhere that are like eight, eight, four truth or whatever. Yeah. And, and okay, I had a, yeah. four, I had a four day drive from LA to Wisconsin. And so I called mm-hmm. okay. and I was like, Hey, I'm just curious what your deal is. I told him my story. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm not a religious person myself. I'm just like, mm-hmm. I'm just curious. Like I don't, what this is. I see your billboards everywhere. And like, and, and then like, are you, I was like, are you getting more calls than usual right now because of the pandemic? Are you getting, are you getting less? And I, and, and I told him too, I was like, you know, I don't want to, I also don't, you know, I'm just, this is merely out of curiosity. So I also don't want to like waste your time if you have like a lot of people trying to call in for uh, help or guidance or whatever right now. And we ended up having like this hour long conversation. But one thing that was really concerning to me was when I asked him about like, how do you explain um, uh, what, what, you know, when people call in asking for, um, you know, guidance and, and explanations of what's happening right now, yeah. um, with Corona, uh, yeah. what do you tell them? He, oh, and boy. he was like, he was like, well, I, I tell them that it's the same as all suffering, which is because of the sin of Adam and Eve. And this, mm-hmm. and this, uh, and this suffering is because we're all sinners and so if we find jesus then we're all going to get to go to so this is what the rapture said jesus is going to come and wipe out the earth or 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 the god's going to come back wipe out the earth and then we're going to get to go back to the new perfect world so i'm actually excited so this man's oh excited that that people are you know getting a thing that where they're drowning in their own lung fluids um, oh, and, sure. and wow. so, so, and I asked him about, I'm like, don't, I'm like, I'm not sure that's the most responsible message that you could tell people right now, because this is why people are like excited to get back into churches and stuff when we still need to, we can do churches remotely. We can do yep. physical distance, but, but if someone, if, if you convince people that are like looking for answers and desperate, that this is actually a good thing. Mm-hmm. that a virus is spreading and that mm-hmm. people are dying and their health is being cr- compromised mm-hmm. uh, because the apocalypse is a good thing. So, you mm-hmm. know, if anything, you spreading it is going to help do the, uh, the uh, do God's, God's work, work, basically. Oh my gosh, like, man. Uh, so dangerous. It's, it seems incredibly dangerous <sighs> to me. Um, and it is. And so, <laughs> it, mm-hmm. so, you know, since I, I, I mean, I didn't even know what to, you know, and I had a very, very reasonable, and the guy was a very nice guy, and he seemed bright enough and everything, and he answered my questions, mm-hmm. and we had, like, a very civil discussion, but I was just, mm-hmm. like, really disheartened that that's the message that some people are getting out there, and, and a lot of people are, like, are really scared and mm-hmm. reaching reaching to sources like that for help mm-hmm. and for mm-hmm. answers. 
and I just find that so troubling <laughs> that mm-hmm. that's some of the answers that they're that they're getting. Oh, wow. So what, and, I, mm-hmm. and I don't I don't mean to put that because obviously that's not your take on on anything and and there's right. different denominations and everyone has and so yes. so I, uh, the, this this is in no way like me me questioning the value of of spirituality or religion as a whole but oh i'm saying but just just like in this specific instance mm-hmm. what what do we do in in a situation like that and and especially in i'm a big believer in in the separation of of, of church, church and, state. and state but then yeah. but if you have people still physically gathering together that mm-hmm. are putting everyone in danger mm-hmm. What what do you do? So it's very shame. Well, first, thank you for that. And thank you for even yeah. breaking that open and giving me a chance to even talk about it. Because I know I'm, I'll be honest, people who know me, I'm not really a, I'm not a religious person myself either, you know, um, any longer. I do identify as a spiritual person. Um, I do identify as a person who, uh, as an individual who cares about other people. And I think that we can impact each other. And that's where real love really comes in. I don't look at, I don't like, I don't look at this and go, this is God's prophecy of what's happening. But I will say this, when I look at the Bible or any other faith or uh, sacred text Mm -hmm. that shows or that tells a story or maybe even some history, right? You know, because all these texts tell some part of our human history that we can actually trace, you know? Um, One of the things that I think that it should be teaching us is no, not to embrace pandemics, you know, but to recognize what causes them, right? Mm-hmm. Now, this individual obviously says sin, and to me, that's what people run to. You know, it's sin, and this is why. And I'm like, get, can you explain that more? You know, like, what, why is it just sin? To me, it's not sin. It's not just sin. Or what is sin, and how do you mean it? Now, I'm not trying to proselytize here, so I just won't. But it's like, this is what I do, and this is why the church that I used to lead grew the way that it did. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we started having people from different faiths who would come in and start participating, you know, because I was like, everyone is welcome here. You know, uh, our officers were same gender loving in the church. Some of them, right. Some people would come to be like, come in and be like, how are you doing this? This is wrong. And I'm like, that spirit's not welcome here. Though we don't put people out, but that spirit's not welcome here. Mm-hmm. Everyone is welcome here and everyone's welcome here to work and to serve each other because that's what we need. So let's take sin for a minute. Most people will say sin is everything that we do that's wrong. That's what they say. It's what we do that's wrong. That's why I disagree when they say it started with Adam and Eve because it didn't. And of course, if you know science and evolution, Adam and Eve were right. not the first people on this planet. Matter of fact, if you really understand evolution, you should understand that a man couldn't have been first if life comes through women. But okay, right. anyway, I, I, I saved that for another discussion. All right. Okay, so then they say sin is sin, something that we do wrong. And I go, well, if I'm a bank teller, and someone comes into the bank to rob the bank, Shane is in, the, is in my line, and this person says, if you call the police, I'm gonna shoot Shane. Oh my gosh. The first thing in my mind is, how do I save Shane? Mm-hmm. Of course, and save myself, right? So how am I gonna do with Shane if I got a button under my desk that I can hit that's gonna call security to come? I'm going to lie mm-hmm. and say, no, I'm not gonna call the cop, no, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna do whatever you tell me, Shane, you're gonna be safe. But if they pay attention to my right hand, <laughs> I'm yeah. hitting a button that's going to call. Okay, so now the crime gets foiled. You think that was a sin? Right. 
See, so then I start challenging people. No, it's not about right and wrong. It's about wise and unwise. It's about how we interact with each other. It's about how we see each other. Do we do things that separate us from each other or do we do things that bring us closer together, right? Well, when you say that, people like that. They're like, yeah, that makes more sense. And I'm like, right, right? See, so that's why I don't get so stuck in dogma. I try to make things make sense humanly so that people don't get stuck in a religious text and they get more stuck in your present reality. Mm. So if anything this coronavirus is teaching me, number one, this isn't the first time a pandemic has hit the planet. It's just the first time in our lifetime, right? But we've had the Black Plague. We've had pneumonic and bubonic plague. We've had other things that have impacted us in bad ways and that have taken us out. Some of those closed-minded people, they'll say, oh, yeah, God told us that God would send us plagues. But I'm like, well, if any population doesn't manage itself and take care of itself, you are going to get out of control. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be the reason for your own demise. To me, that's what any religious text teaches me. It doesn't teach me that God hates us. It teaches me, historically, we should pay attention. Because mm. some things can revisit and they can come back. And we're the problem, right? Mm. And what's the real problem? Lack of love. Lack of trust. Lack of respect in each other, right? Well, that cuts across all belief systems, you know, regardless of what you believe. So that's why I go, what's the spirit behind it? What's the spirit behind what you believe? And if the spirit is equity and opening doors and opportunities for other people, that's where I think, you know, whatever people believe, that's where your most high is or that's where the human uh, gets to a flourish. That is where we should be leaning in. It doesn't matter if it's Jesus to me. It doesn't matter if it's Allah. It doesn't matter if it's Krishna. It doesn't even matter if people say, I don't believe. That's fine. But like I said, we all have a hope in something. And to me, that's that common ground that should bring us together. So I just, I don't, I don't really get stuck in dogma. Um, and I don't, and I try to speak people's languages and I don't just mean tongues. I mean values, mm-hmm. you know, and that's how I like to connect with people. And I think that that's what spirituality should be. To me, that should be the root of religion, but sadly it's not mm. in some ways. Well, this is a, that's a fantastic message. Um, how, how can, uh, as we're wrapping up, how can people find out a little bit more about you? Okay. I, first off, got to see your oh. hip hop. I, I haven't. Yeah. I didn't do my research. Oh, I, you're I all right. Yeah, you are yeah. all right. Well, I have on one of my t-shirts now, just to show people. Us, uh, uh, Rashad, and I dedicated an album to Polly Murray. So it's called a conversation with Polly Murray. Oh, and so nice. you can find me on. I'm on Instagram at Rashad Ease. R A S H A D E A S. I just started following you. Uh, by the way, online. Oh. I'm also on Twitter. Same thing. Uh, Rashad Ease. Um, I use, I do like you use my name. So on Facebook, you can find me at either Thomas Easley or Rashad Easley. My dad is also Thomas Easley. So, you know, you'll see two handsome men if you look up Thomas Easley. Uh, and then you can also email me at info at easelybranch.com, you know, people for inquiries and different things. But I am out there. My website is Rashad we have a lot of music out i have a crew of mcs and artists and poets and singers that we uh, make music together and then i also like to write so you can also find me on linkedin and read some of my writing. i am a scholar some of my writing and so yeah you can find me amazing oh i i i, I love i love uh people blending art and science together like you said um there, there's not enough of us out there doing it. And um, I, I think it's, I, I mean, it's, uh, they just go together so well. Art, art often cuts to the truth of things, the, often through metaphors and stuff. And, and 
and and and um, and science science often has to be way more creative than most people kind of think about it on the surface and and they're they're just very they're very compatible fields if you ask me yes you just taught me another thing this whole time i've been learning as i'm listening to you art cuts to the truth because that's what i was trying to figure out how would i describe art and science art cuts to the truth science helps explain things that we don't understand or that yeah. we can't explain yeah absolutely well thank you so much thomas easley for joining me yeah thanks for having me shane i appreciate and, this and thank you listeners for being such wonderful curious people we'll talk with you next episode Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening. Next episode, I don't know who's on the report. We're trying to crank out so many of these. I have tons and tons and tons in the bank. We've been having a huge editing bottleneck. One thing after another. Not only does poor Jimmy Fro have more of a workload than ever with me dumping all this stuff on his plate, all these new episodes, all these new having to edit them for for YouTube and do video stuff and not only does he have to put up with me my inability to record intros and outros in a timely fashion and and give him the stuff that he needs but he's had computer issues he's he's trying to like many of us balance our wor- work life and family life and try to figure out ways to break away through the day to edit and listen to this podcast that's outside of his normal routine. Thank you, Jimmy Fro of the Jimmy Fro Indie Music Show. If you guys like checking out the newest, the latest, greatest, underappreciated, undiscovered music out there, check out the Jimmy Fro Indie Music Show. You'll be supporting this show as well by supporting my help. The, the auto audio file who does such a great job editing these and if you want you really want to help me out go to patreon.com slash shane moss and you can support me there um it is getting to the point where i am going to have to start i haven't really made any money in a while I've been going into debt and I'm going to have to start cutting hours and hopefully not, but it's looking like I'm going to have to lay off um, parts of my team and uh, it's so sad. (laughs) I've been building this for uh, so long and they're really helping me in this transition and working overtime for even less money and I am just... uh, I'm out. I'm out of money, guys. I threw a lot of spaghetti against the wall, and I'm I'm trying I'm trying to make these live events work as a source of income. And uh, you know, I I thought maybe if uh, YouTube or or something would take off for me, if uh, if I really put a bunch of effort into building my social media base and everything else, but I, every other comic's doing the same thing and um and it's hard to cut through it all and um and everyone else's life is turned upside down and some people don't have the time all podcast numbers are down for every podcast in the country so not only am i not touring but i'm i'm doing more podcasts for less of the listenership and it 
is hard and frustrating and discouraging. Um, and so um, straight up, if you want to help me, um, I'm going to need a lot of help to keep things as is. And uh, I'm going to have to figure out how to start cutting more and more expenses one way or another. But you can help me out on Patreon. I wouldn't ask if I didn't want to. I've never wanted to. I've never I've been a comedian for 16 years. And I, I've, I, I've never had to tell people, hey, I might have to stop what I'm doing because I can't afford to keep paying money just to keep putting out things. So, so I don't really know what to do, but um, on the upside, I've been exceptionally happy with the quality of the content that I've been putting out. And if you would go on and check out my YouTube channel, that's free to do. If you subscribe to it, if you watch some of my web series, Quarantine Couple, and just have some laughs and throw a like on there and some comments and maybe share if there's a particular episode that you got a kick out of. Like we kind of did a spoof on, on Tiger King. If you, have, uh, if you have folks that are just now watching that show and, and there might be other things relevant to you that there's, there's ways... There's ways anyone can help. If you are interested, you can you, you can um, you can rate this podcast. You can watch my documentary. You can attend my live virtual shows, which are something that's really special that I'm putting together, and uh, and they've been lots of fun. But um, uh, but yeah, you can you can do some uh, some stuff like that if you're interested in and um, helping keep the lights on over here and, and helping so that I can continue to um, keep, uh, keep going and creating stuff. Because <laughs> it's, it's uh, frankly, it's just hard to spend a bunch of time on this and then get like 100 views on YouTube or whatever for, for something. So you know, it might just be a dead end that I have to um, stop doing and figure other things out. I don't know, but um, but uh, th those are uh, those are things that I'm trying to figure out, and those are things that I need help with. And so there's no point in hiding it from you guys and um, having um, things slow down or or uh, come, you know slow down dramatically because i i'm gonna have to start doing all everything myself and then i might as well tell you now before that happens rather than you wonder why i didn't say anything before so i have a hard time asking people for help and i absolutely need help so um if you want to support the show um there's a bunch of things like that that you can do so um yeah other than that, I am excited about the things that I've been able to create. I'm just not sure I'll be able to create them for much longer. So, rough situation out there. I hope you're all doing well. Don't feel bad if you don't have things to spare, but if you have time to spare, there's a lot of ways you can support. So I would appreciate it. And um, I can only imagine that so many of you are going through 
a number of hardships. So many of you going through things so much harder and more confusing than just trying to make a comedy science podcast work. So uh, best of luck to all of you. Stay safe in body and mind and spirit. And uh, talk with you next episode. Thanks so much to Jimmy Fro with Jimmy Fro's Indie Music Show for doing such a fantastic job editing these podcasts under such insane circumstances. Uh, Not only is there an apocalypse happening, but I've increased his workload by about seven times, not to mention that these are less than ideal uh, uh, conditions where we're trying to do remote podcasts. and, And for an audiophile like Jimmy that wants everything to be just perfect, perfect and and make it the best for you guys it's uh it's a heck of a job that he's been doing with um with all of the constraints that we're under so special thanks to his mind rocket sessions for today's outro music by moon station burning check out the full live video session at youtube by searching the mind rocket sessions or go to mindrocketsessions.com
Star Pains Audio, a, podca- <clears throat> a podcast network.